Our minds are so powerful that what we focus on reverberates through every aspect of our lives. So why not see what happens when we put our attention on all the good things people are doing? Join me for the good with Teresa G as we start a ripple effect by focusing on all the greatness in the world. Hi, everyone. I've been wanting to do a show telling my story for a long time, mostly to help give better insight to why I started this podcast and because I hope my story can inspire or help you in some way. Today, I'm homesick with a cold, so I apologize for that stuffy nose sound. And I'm going against my husband's advice to stay in bed because I'm sitting here with my mic. I've tried to sit down with this mic so many times to tell my story, and it's so hard. So I'm hoping today something magical will happen and I can just let my story flow out. This is hard for me in so many ways because for some reason telling my story makes me feel very vulnerable. And most of my friends really don't know how sick I was when I was sick because of my ego. I couldn't admit to them how weak and completely incapable of living any resemblance of a normal life. Um, basically, I was incapable of living or functioning like a normal person. I had given up on um, going, but going back to work. I had given up on ever traveling again. And traveling is a huge, um, huge importance to me. It's actually one of my great loves of this lifetime is to just see as much of the world and see as many different cultures and meet as different, as many people as I can. So I had given up on traveling, which was a complete travesty. Um, I had even given up on just going out to a meal with a friend. Um, basically my life was, um, I lived mostly in my house. Um, I, I really didn't really leave my house much. And a lot of the time that I was in my house, I was just sitting on my couch or sitting because it hurt too much to move. So yes, today I'm filled with gratitude to be sitting here in complete health besides this cold. But you know, after what I've been through, a cold is a, a gift to be sitting here completely healthy with a cold, I feel like that's a complete gift. Um, so I, I feel gifted to be able to sit here and tell you my story as a healthy human. And as you know, I believe every story has the power to create change. So here we go. Right before my, um, right before I went, had my daughter, um, well, let me back up a little bit. I've always been a healthy, um, healthy, sturdy girl. So I wasn't sick in my childhood. Um, I wasn't frail. I was just always sturdy and healthy. And so that was one thing my mom always kept telling me when I got sick is she didn't understand it because I had been so healthy and sturdy as a child. Um, I did have some emotional issues, especially through high school. I was the only black girl in my whole entire high school. And um, I do believe that that created some, um, somewhat of some issues uh, while I was going through puberty. 
But anyway, so I went on, they put me on antidepressants, I believe at like 18 or 19. And those really helped me a lot at that time. And I stayed on them for quite a long time. Um, and it wasn't until I was about, I was going to have my daughter in my mid thirties that I decided to go off of the antidepressants and I weaned myself off without the doctor, without any doctor support. And I believe that was my first, um, mistake. And I would say to anyone out there trying to get off, um, of your antidepressants, Maybe, you know, I would really suggest going to work with a naturopath because they can give you things that are going to help create that equilibrium um, of hormones in your brain um, as you go off of the uh, antidepressants. Or as one of my favorite naturopaths, um, Allison Bonville, says, you know what, sometimes antidepressants, small doses of antidepressants are needed as long as we can... Um, test test you and make sure it's not creating any sort of um, issues with your nutrients. And if it is, we can we can start adding in nutrients. But um, so really, we've had conversations on the show about about antidepressants, and I'm glad I can talk about it right now as saying that you know what, if you need a small dose of antidepressant and it makes you live a better, healthier, happier life then stay on that antidepressant. If it's something that you want to get off of, meet with a naturopath, have them help you. Because honestly, I believe that it takes um, up, maybe up to even three years to balance out um, your brain after you've been on, um, on antidepressants. And so that I, I do believe that was the first thing that I can look back and say, well, I probably shouldn't have done that. So um, I got pregnant with my daughter. I was um, on no medications. My husband says he did notice that I became a bit more anxious after I stopped the antidepressant. I had my daughter six weeks early and we had to live in the hospital for three weeks. I lived in the hospital. I didn't go anywhere because I was pumping and I was pumping, breastfeeding like every two hours. I'd be in there pumping um, no, every, and every three hours we'd be breastfeeding and every two hours I would be pumping or some cycle like that. Um, but anyway, so that was a bit traumatic. And now that I know what I know about brains and the health of brains, um, you know, traumatic experiences sort of change the way your brain works. So, uh, they released us from the hospital. Finally, when my daughter started, um, uh, feeding and gaining a little weight. I, I have a really good friend, Sarah, and she had a preemie. Um, and she called me when she found out I was, I was, uh, I had a preemie and she said she had two, she had twins that came early. And she said to me, she said, I just want to let you know that this is having a preemie is much harder emotionally than anyone at the hospital will tell you. And there is emotional effects and after effects that happen um, from having a preemie. So, um, and I really appreciate that call, Sarah. So what she was, she was telling me is that, yeah, it's emotionally really crazy to have a preemie. There are long-term effects to being, giving birth to a child that's extremely underweight who has to get a feeding tube and has to depend on um, the, the wonderful, amazing nurses and hospitals 
to live. Um, and then when you're stuck in the hospital and you know what, it's, it was a gift that she was only in there for three weeks. Cause I know there's so many of you mamas out there that are in hospitals with your babies for, uh, so long, um, you know, multiple months, six months, but it was very traumatizing to me. So when we were sent home, I started breastfeeding as uh, she was breastfeeding. And every time I breastfed, I would start hemorrhaging hum huge amounts of blood. And, um, I reached out to my midwife. She never, uh, got back to me. I called the hospital. Um, the OBGYN that was on call said, well, it's probably your period. For about a week, I was hemorrhaging huge amounts of blood. And obviously I wasn't thinking right, or I would have gone to the hospital. <laughs> then I finally went in and got an ultrasound and I went in that day for an emergency surgery because I had a retained placenta. They put me out and they um, pulled out that placenta. Now that I understand the workings of the brain, um, there's multiple things going on here and I'm going to just recount them for you as they come up. I went off, um, antidepressants. I then had a traumatic experience of having a preemie. Then I was put, um, out for emergency surgery. All these things are going to make sense to you later. Um, and they really make sense to me now. So after I came out of that surgery, I was able to go home and be with my little girl, my baby. But at that point, I started having extreme anxiety that something else was going to happen, that something terrible was going to happen. And it makes sense because I had just experienced two traumatic experiences and my brain was just beginning to be in a fight or flight response. So it was what is going to come next? What is going to come next? What is going to come next? Something that must have happened while I was out with in surgery is I must have been moved in a way, in a weird way or something because I, the weeks after surgery, I was having some uh, pinched nerve in my back that just hurt so bad. But um, for those of you that have had a pinched nerve, it feels somewhat like a heart attack. So that was not helping my stress levels at all um, because I was convinced I was um, having a heart attack, but everyone was saying, you're fine. And then I went to a chiropractor and he was like, oh, it's a pinched nerve. And I'm like, oh, thank goodness. So I was dealing with that and I had this anxiety that just would not stop. I went to the doctor and I said, you know, I have this anxiety. And so they gave me a low dose of an antidepressant which I, at that point, I was, I'm sure I was dealing with postpartum depression with just the anxiety of um, a preemie and the surgery and the after effects of being put out. And um, I, I didn't take the antidepressant. And I really probably should have because that could, would have probably helped me immensely. Um, but I chose not to take it. I had this little, little, little baby and they had told me, you know, don't let her get sick in any way um, or she'll be back at that, this hospital and, you know, a cold could kill her. And so I was not only with my, my anxiety, um, a lot of my anxiety stemmed from my daughter and her being exposed to germs and things like that. So I actually, um, this is how extreme my, the postpartum depression was for me and my anxiety is, and it's very, very, 
embarrassing to admit. Um, but I didn't leave my house for six months with my baby. Um, my husband, my sweet, sweet husband, who's been with me through all this, he, um, he would go do the grocery shopping. He would do it all. We did leave for doctor's appointments for her, but that's about it. I also didn't let any friends come in and, and cause I was scared they were going to bring germs. And I will tell you that that was probably the worst decision I ever made was to start isolating myself. So again, not the best choices. Um, after the six months of isolation, um, I just started hiking nonstop with my, um, my little girl because I've always been huge into nature and loved hiking. And, um, that was the only way I could find some solace in my, from my anxiety and this, this overarching anxiety that I had about every little thing. Oh, I'm going to just sort of run through the next few years as quick as I can. Cause now, you know, I don't really want to, um, focus and talk for long details about all the symptoms and disease and viruses that I got over the next few years. But I will, I just want to run it, run through it really quick so that you have an idea. So then I started getting yeast issues and, um, then I experienced bladder infection for over at least a year, probably over a year. And then I decided to try to get some of my mercury fillings out. Um, I actually, I had a tooth that really needed to get fixed. I was still breastfeeding once a day at bedtime. So it probably wasn't the smartest thing to do. Um, but I, um, got most of my fillings out, my, uh, mercury fillings, amalgam fillings, as they say. And, um, about two days later, well, there's a whole story that goes in with that too, but about two days, three days after getting those, all those fillings out, um, I woke up with entire body joint pain and that became the two, that began the two year of extreme illness. Um, I was experiencing internal tremors, numbness and tingling in my legs, eye floaters, um, extreme sensitivities. And, um, I was diagnosed with Epstein-Barr. Um, my doctors wanted me to get tested for MS to go in the, uh, I don't know if it's the MRI or the CAT scan, but MS was thrown around a lot back then. And I actually refused to get, uh, get that diagnosis. Just because I didn't, I'm not really, I didn't see the benefit of getting a diagnosis of MS for myself because um, really I wasn't going to take any of the pharmaceuticals they were going to give me. And quite frankly, I didn't think my brain um, needed to hear that I was, um, that I had MS. I met with a uh, holistic practitioner named Judy DeLorenzo at that time. And she said that I had and this is after I probably saw like 10, 10 doctors trying to figure out what was going on, but I did, I met with her and I'm actually going to have her on the show because she is working. Um, she's going to be releasing a cookbook, um, here soon. And I'm really excited to have her on the show because she's, um, specific, she's helped me and my daughter immensely over the years. And, um, oh, she's just such a good friend. So she, she's, recognized that I had mercury toxicity. And at the same point that I was dealing with all this, 
my daughter started dropping to the ground. She was two um, and pointing at her legs or her knees or her arms and saying, oh, that hurts, that hurts, that hurts. Um, and she also started twitching her eyes a lot. Surprisingly, it didn't occur to me that we are mercury toxic because I went to a holistic dentist um, that took all the precautions. And um, yeah, it just didn't occur to me until Judy DeLorenzo came into our lives. And she um, put us, she follows, at that time, she followed medical medium. And so she put us on medical medium, heavy metal detox smoothies. I was giving my daughter just slight, slight amounts, um, nothing significant, but I would have to say that after about a week of her taking the smoothie, um, she started, she had not, was not speaking at all yet. Um, but she started speaking in full sentences. So that was pretty shocking. And after about two weeks of being on it, the joint pain that I had was experiencing intense joint pain started to lessen. So that was pretty spectacular. And I would have to say, um, out of everything that medical, I mean, medical medium is the craze. He's the guy that started this celery juice, start your day with the celery juice in the morning. Um, so he's pretty popular right now. And this was at the very beginning before anyone really knew him. I would have to say after doing his heavy metal smoothies, um, and seeing the benefits of that, I sort of became obsessed with medical medium and um, was following all his protocols because um, I was diagnosed with Epstein-Barr. I actually, a blood test said I was had Epstein-Barr at the time. So I started all his protocols because he has a few books and they say all these protocols. And it became pretty intense. I became a pretty intense uh, follower of his. Over time, though, following him and doing the celery juice every morning and the smoothie, um, I would have to say that I just became sicker and less able to function in society um, because of the, his diet was so strict and there was a lot of fear of foods um, and fear in general, which I later learned, you know, was not helping my limbic system, which was already injured. I do have to say medical mediums, um, heavy metal smoothie helped me and my daughter immensely detox mercury. And later, um, like a few years later, I had my mercury tested and it was like nothing. Um, there was zero on the, on the test. And I do believe that was because of medical mediums, uh, heavy metal smoothie. But I do believe that his, after doing his diet and his protocols for over a year and a half, I did become even more sick. And I realized that that is because of, there's a lot of food fear in his books, speaking. Um, and there's also a lot of um, fear created, just like living on the planet. Um, there's a lot of fear. I have to say that as I continue to follow him, I, not that this is everyone's response to medical meeting protocols, but for me, what I later found out, it was impairing my limbic system farther. Um, while I was following his program very, very strictly, I got SIBO, became extremely anemic, um, and had just, uh, just became so much sicker. At that time, I had decided meditation, that I needed to meditate, because the anxiety was underruling a lot of this. 
Um, there was so much anxiety in my life. So I decided to start learning how to meditate. And there was a local teacher. Now looking back, I can see that it was divine intervention um, that I looked her up. Her name is Angela, Angela Marie Patnode. She's been on the podcast um, because not only did, was she going to teach me about meditation, I did one of her meditation workshops, but it ends up Angela Marie got very sick herself and became hypersensitive to um, electromagnetic waves. And um, so her life sort of stopped too. This was after I took a meditation class from her and she was dealing with extreme back pain. She was able to heal herself with dynamic neural retraining system. And so I think like a year after I took a meditation class, I saw um, on one of her blogs that she had completely healed herself with this training program, DNRS. And I was really intrigued by it because at this point, um, I was just so sick. I think at that point, my, um, I was dealing with SIBO and my legs um, had seized up permanently. So my calves and my knees and my legs were in constant pain. It was like a muscle, you know, when you have a spasm in a muscle, but I had that permanently. Um, so I couldn't, um, you know, even when I was pretty sick, I would jump on the trampoline or do yoga because I am someone that loves to move my body, but I couldn't do any of that stuff anymore because my legs were in a constant, uh, seized state. So I saw that she uh, was healed with DNRS and I decided I would try it myself. And I did like, they have a training program and this is how powerful your brain is. So I did the training program for like three days straight. And all of a sudden um, I became like 10 times more sick. I couldn't move. I could barely, I just couldn't even barely move anymore. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this program is terrible. I'm not, I can't do this. This is like making me sicker. Um, and, and now that I know better, it was actually my brain fighting back. Um, and that, and you will experience that when you first begin DNRS. Um, it thinks it has to save you for, save you from rewiring your brain um, for health. So, so I stopped completely. Um, I was sent to a new chiropractic lady who does a bunch of tests and she ended up injuring me, um, terribly. So not only now are my like legs in a constant C state, but, um, I now have this huge injury on, um, that didn't like really, I couldn't sit down without being pure pain for, uh, six to eight months. It's just so horrific. And then I got shingles of the mouth, um, which again, lasted much longer than shingles usually lasts. It kept coming back and I kept getting new, um, outbreaks and, um, gosh, the pain of shingles. So essentially my immune system was just so low. I was catching everything. And this anxious state that I was in, um, over all these years, had really broken down my immune system. And, um, and it didn't help that I had, you know, some random other things like the accident with the chiropractor. 
Um, but it was that lowest point when I got shingles in the mouth, I realized, you know what, this isn't my body. This is something bigger because I am eating completely healthy, like healthier, probably too healthy. I'm doing everything in my power, but am I, am I? And at that point I called, um, Angela Marie Patnode. And she said, you know, you really need to start this training. It will help with the shingles. It will help with everything. At that point, I also was starting um, to work with my a homeopath, um, Jennifer Brandolino with Healthy uh, Lifestyles. And um, she was helping me with the shingles. And I remember the day that I... Um, because my nervous system had become so fried because mercury just attacks the nervous system. And then my nervous system was already, um, so completely worked from being, uh, anxious all the, all these years and dealing with all these illnesses. Um, I could barely take homeopathics. I would have bad response to homeopathics, which is very strange. Um, not very common, but it does represent a very, very overworked nervous system. Um, so I was petrified of the homeopathic that this doctor, uh, that this homeopath had given me um, to try. But one morning I woke up and I just started that. I took the homeopathic that she told me to take. And then I did DNRS, Dynamic Neural Retraining System, um, which is basically a practice that they tell you to do for an hour a day. And I woke up and I did it. And that was the beginning of my life being changed forever. I remember I came out of this session and my husband was like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen you this happy for I don't know how long. And that homeopathic was amazing too because it was, it was just something happened when I took that homeopathic. I will say I started, I, I was committed to DNRS because it made complete sense to me now. I read the Wired with Healing book um, from Annie Hopper right before I decided to start it. It made so much sense to me, and I suggest that all anyone who any of this rings bells with or um, that you want more information, get the Wired with Healing book with Annie Hopper. She says, when the limbic system function is impaired, it can alter the way that your brain and body interprets, encodes, and responds to any sensory stimuli. Over time, this pattern of distorted perception and reaction becomes habitual and can result in a range of neurological, immunological, and endocrine system abnormalities. Physical, mental, and emotional traumas have the ability to alter limbic system function and can damage any number of neurons along this cascading system. Damage to the limbic system can severely alter the interpretation of incoming sensory information and in turn alter our, our ability to inhibit our psychological and behavioral actions. So essentially that book, um, when I read that book, it was like right before I started training again, um, I was like, oh my gosh, this sounds like me. I'm going to read one more quote from the book. It's on page 33. Many other limbic system conditions are similar in nature to PTSD in that during the initial trauma, the brain cannot filter the incoming information and get stuck in a trauma cycle. This can affect perception and the ability, ability to evaluate incoming sensory information. Some people are more susceptible to this type of injury given their genetic makeup, which can alter detoxification pathways. 
However, whether the gene is present or not, the limbic system can still be rewired. Above and beyond personal health considerations, people that suffer from many of these conditions are also faced with a number of practical concerns and challenges, such as the difficulty in finding environmentally compatible housing, the lack of recognition of their conditions, accurate diagnosis and appropriate treatment from the medical industry, financial strain, social isolation, and the lack of emotional support. Many are unable to access basic health care, such as seeing dentists or doctors, due to physical limitations associated with the, their illness. All these factors combine to perpetuate an emotional and psychological state of extreme stress. Normally high functioning and healthy individuals become shadows of their former selves. These conditions literally rob them of their ability to function in the world. Some lose their jobs in their homes and in severe cases limit, live in extreme isolation and pain. Most cannot travel and often become housebound and some even become homeless her book had so many of those shocking moments of describing exactly what I was going through. The minute I started DNRS, I'll say it was the hardest thing I'll ever, I have ever done because my brain was stuck in this loop cycle of fear and trauma. Um, I was focusing on all that was wrong with the world. So, you know, I was obsessed with like GMOs, plastics ruining the world, the food, the food, our food issues, um, the United States food issues and how there's so many issues with that. The healthcare system. Um, I had, I had surrounded myself with people, online people that were sick, um, because I belonged into these groups where you would talk about your symptoms. And so all of those things had continuously help my brain to stay in this loop system of illness, sickness, and sensitivities. Um, I didn't understand that at the time, but when I started DNRS, um, one of the things that they require you to do is like, you have to get out of all those groups. You have to stop hanging out with people that are sick, that are just going to talk about, talk about your symptoms with you. Um, you have to get rid of um, all the Facebook, you know, negative Nancy's that are constantly posting negative things. You have to really put yourself, um, shelter yourself from the constant bad news um, and negativity that we are exposed to online and with TV. So you really become censoring these things so that your brain is not catching on, catching these things and getting stuck in this negative loop cycle um, that has created illness and, and um, in your life. Please read the book, Wired for Healing. Um, I'm not telling you the story as, as I'm, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm just simply telling you my story. And I do have some great, great hope that my story can help any other people that are sick out there or dealing with extreme anxiety. Throughout this, I was reading a lot of books um, about the brain and this information is, is pretty, it's out there. You just have to be able to know what you're looking for. And I realized I had let my mind run wild with anxiety and fear, fear of my symptoms, foods, um, all these issues that were going on in the world. Um, I had no, I didn't, if someone would have asked me, is your brain in fight or flight? I would have thought, no, it's not in fight or flight. Um, Cause I didn't feel, you know, I didn't feel like I was in a fight or flight, but I didn't remember what it felt like not to be in fight or flight. A really important thing that I heard um, 
during all this was that your brain is like a four-year-old and you have to control it. You have to keep it on track. So you can't let it go into anxious um, cycles. You can't be obsessing about um, your symptoms or your illness um, or your fears. You can't allow that. You have got to stop that. Anxiety, that anxiety that I had that which started when I stopped my antidepressants was really start of the pathways that was starting the pathways of this constant loop cycle in my brain to be anxious and fear and eventually very, very sick. But of course, you know, what, what I know now is like what can really damage your limbic system is um, a traumatic event exposure to a toxicity. So I am um, being put out. Um, so I had, you know, there's a, a whole list of other ones too. But when I met with a coach from DNRS, I basically had all of them. My brain had gone through enough trauma. He disposed me to um, this issue. Um, and we talked about how anxiety had been consistent thing in my life ever since I got off uh, the antidepressants. And I would say now my anxiety has gone from 120 to about 20. It cut, you know, I have little moments of anxiety, but it's nothing like it was. And I am, I'm not on anything. I'm not even on herbs or anything else, um, to maintain that anxiety. So that is just so amazing. And I'm so thankful that I can, uh, live without the anxiety. Norman Dodge's book, The Brain That Changes Itself, sort of talks about healing um, OCD. I want to read you a segment. It talks about OCD, um, but you can use this method to heal yourself from anxiety. And honestly, this is a similar method to what DNRS practices. Um, so I'm going to read this to you, um, and I definitely suggest his book, um, Norman Dodge, The Brain That Changes Itself. These are all books that I was reading when I began brain training, and I really do suggest them. After a patient has acknowledged that the worry is a symptom of OCD, the next crucial step is to refocus on positive, wholesome, ideally pleasure-giving activity the moment he becomes aware he is having an OCD attack. The activity could be gardening, helping someone, working on a hobby, playing a musical instrument, listening to music, working out, or shooting baskets. An activity that involves another person helps keep the patient focused. If OCD strikes while the patient is driving a car, he should be ready with an activity like a book on tape or a CD. It is essential to do something to shift the gear manually. Of course, the gear shift is a machine metaphor and the brain is not a machine. It is plastic and living. Each time patients try to shift gears, they begin fixing their transmission by growing new circuits and altering the caudet. By refocusing, the patient is learning not to get sucked in by the content of an obsession, but to work around it. I suggest to my patients that they think of the use it or lose it principle. Each moment they spend thinking of the symptom, believing that germs are threatening them, they deepen the obsessive circuit. By, 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 excuse me, by bypassing it, they are on the road to losing it. With obsessions and compulsions, the more you do it, the more you want to do it. The less you do it, the less you want to do it. Schwartz has found it is essential to understand that it is not what you feel while applying the technique that counts. It is what you do. The struggle is not to make the feeling go away. The struggle is not to give in to the feeling by acting out a compulsion or thinking about the obsession. This technique won't give immediate relief because lasting neuroplastic change takes time. 
but it does lay the groundwork for change by exercising the brain in a new way. So at first, one will still feel both the urge to enact the compulsion and the tension and anxiety that comes from resisting it. The goal is to change the channel to some new activity for 15 to 30 minutes when one has an OCD symptom. So I would say that's very similar to, you could use that on anxiety, you can use that with any um, thing that you're trying to change in your life, is once it comes up, nope, I'm not going to allow my brain to go there. And you start thinking about something that is wonderful or start doing something that creates a feeling of joy because you're rewiring your brain to see um, anything that is negative to correlate negative things such as anxiety. Like if you go are starting to start a very anxious um, episode, no, I will not be doing an anxious episode. But you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to sit here and think about the vacation I have in six weeks. And I'm going to walk through how I'm sitting at the beach, on the beach, and the waves are splashing and the sun is shining. I'm with my family. I am drinking a cocktail. And I feel this amazing peace within me as I look at the beach and the waves and I hear the waves. And I laugh because I am filled with joy. And that right there is changing your brain to not go deeply into an anxious cycle, but to go into a place of joy. Um, so really, I feel like we all have to become masters of uh, controlling our brain because we are exposed to so many things. We're moving at such a, a faster rate. And, um, and social media and internet exposes us to so much crap on a daily basis that really is not helping our brain health. I would have to say, please look up, the, read these books, Wired for, Wired for Healing by Annie Hopper, um, The Brain That Changes Itself by Norman Dodge, um, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Joe Dispenza. Um, there's so many books um, just Google, you know, um, brain retraining books and start enjoying and understanding the science. Focus on the best moments of your life. Focus on things that you want to do that bring you joy. Watch comedies, laugh, hang out with people that don't want to discuss all the nastiness going on in the world, but want to celebrate the life, celebrate all the good things that are happening. Just hang out with people who see what is right in the world. Wake up with gratitude, listen to music that lifts you up, and, um, you know, you've just got to train your brain to move out of these cycles that aren't benefiting you, and it's amazing, and I'm sitting here today telling you that I went from completely sick, from catching all sorts of terrible things, to um, bordering on an MS diagnosis, um, to not functioning in the world. And now I am completely functioning. I'm actually way too busy with this podcast, with work, um, with multiple jobs and celebrating life with my family and friends every chance I get, um, with minimal food sensitivities now and, um, just so many blessings. So I'm here to tell you that you can change your life no matter where you are today. You can change your life and you can be sitting, the, uh, sitting here a year, neck by next year, 
living a totally different life than uh, whatever you're in today. So you have the power. When I finish off with breaking the habit of being yourself, reading you a little bit, just a quick blurb from Dr. Joe Dispenza. I recommend this book too. What has profoundly and positively changed my life and the lives of so many others is the understanding that changing one's mind and thereby having new experiences and gaining new insights is simply a matter of breaking the habit of being oneself. When you overcome your senses, when you understand that you are not bound by the chains of your past, when you live a life that is greater than your body, your environment, and time, all things are possible. The universe intelligence that animates the existence of all things will both surprise and delight you. It wants nothing more than to provide you with access to all you want. In short, when you change your mind, you change your life. I'm Teresa Gabrielle, and you've been listening to The Good with Teresa G. You can follow The Good with Teresa G on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you haven't yet, go to the Apple Podcast and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another inspiring conversation. Thank you for listening.